I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Happy Thursday. I hope your day is treating you well. Today's episode is a little bit different. So we are not scripted here. So basically, I thought... When I started this week, I knew it was the anniversary of my dad's passing and I had a plan and that plan was like, Monday is for grieving (laughs) and then we'll just go back to normal. Everything will be great. And if I'm honest, you know, my therapist was like, Hey, that's not really how grief works. You're probably going to have, you know, be prepared. And obviously she was right. And It is Wednesday morning as I sit here talking with you and it's rough y'all. Grief is hard and I'm not feeling great and I think I just have to feel those feelings and be in my life. Part of me felt like I should push through because so many people don't have the option to have flexibility when they are going through something. You know, our society is not really built to support grief. And I feel a little guilty because I do have that flexibility. I do have the option to take the time I need to feel my feelings. And I feel shame for that, if I'm honest. But obviously, I talked myself through that. And and I know that I can't punish myself because I have this flexibility. And I've been able to reschedule the things I had on my plate today and make my life less complicated. And one of the things that I decided to do was to pull episodes from a long time ago that I think are particularly relevant if you yourself are going through something like grief or pain. And we're talking a lot about triggers this week on the feed and in past episodes. And so with that being said, we do have room to talk about feelings today. So today's episode is about feeling by Enneagram type. Tomorrow's episode will be about self-soothing because these are the things I'm learning to understand right now. And and I want to bring you on that journey with me. And with doing daily podcast episodes, I know that a lot of these episodes get lost and I want you to be able to, to hear them and you know, bring them back to the forefront just in case you're in a similar place to me. So that is the deal. We're still going to do Rosebud and Thorn though. So my rose for today is therapy, quite frankly, just having someone on my team. A lot of my friends live out of town. My husband is in school full time and working full time and I'm kind of going through this alone in a lot of ways. My family's out of town right now and it's kind of just me. (laughs) And I talked with my therapist on Monday and and it was just really reassuring to be like, I'm here, you know? And when I was in therapy, when my dad passed, I was doing better help at the time. And I was able to just text my therapist the whole week and month I was going through this. So like the whole time I wasn't really alone. And that meant so much to me. So this is my rose. <laughs> my thorn is the obvious, just kind of feeling like, I can't control grief and I would love to be able to. And my bud is figuring out what the day is going to hold. Yeah, that's it. 
that's it. All right, friends, thank you so much for being here. Let's dive in to today's episode. Today, we're expanding on a recent post I did in the feed for Enneagram and coffee. I talked a little bit about feeling and just how our types interact with feeling and a few tips for that. So I wanted to share them here for those of you who mostly follow the podcast and are as active on the feed, but then I also wanted to expand and go a little bit deeper into the insight into that and the tips that I provided. So I'm going to just go through type and break it down. So for type ones, what I wrote in the post is that anger is a normal emotion that only turns into consistent irritation if not regularly expressed. And I asked, when's the last time you let yourself be honest about your rage? And the reason that I wrote this is because type ones are in the anger triad. They're in the body center. Um, They do have a relationship to anger, but type ones typically see anger as a bad emotion, an emotion you're not supposed to have. And so what they tend to do is they tend to push it down, hide it, try to cover it up, maybe try to rename it as something else. And what this can turn into is kind of underlying consistent irritation. Just everything that is happening around them just feels irritating or frustrating. And I have found working with type ones that one of the best things they can do is regularly express their anger, get the anger out of their body, out of their system on a regular basis. I love to tell type ones to go outside and scream bloody murder, like get it out. Just let yourself rage. Obviously you're probably going to want to do this alone. You're probably not going to want to do it where your family can hear you because it might be terrifying. But a lot of times I say, if you're driving in the car somewhere, or if you can go out into the wilderness, get that out. Another practice that I do that I think would be really helpful for our ones is what I call my rage journal. And this is just where I write down all of the blunt, angry feelings that I have about whatever situation is currently bothering me. That way I don't have to proper it up, right? I don't have to make it look pretty. I don't have to make it look right or good. It just is. And no one's grading me on it. No one even reads it or looks at it. And then if I want to, which is usually my preference, I light it on fire and then it's gone. And so this is a practice that I think can be really helpful for our ones is just move your anger. I've heard type one say they like to kickbox and that's a really good way to move your anger. Find some outlet to regularly, at least once a week, maybe once a day, get that anger out of your system. For our type twos, I talked about how no one else knows what you're feeling unless you directly communicate it. We need you to be upfront because we want to love you, but we can't read minds. And when I say read minds, you know what I mean. But what I really mean is that type twos, they kind of orient in the world with this eye scanning for the needs of other people, these subtle shifts in other people. You're able to pick up on shifted body language or um, if they get quiet all of a sudden, or maybe if they're showing up a little bit differently than you're used to, you're really attuned to that. But a lot of other types, we're not as attuned to that. We're not paying that close of attention. And so it can be easy to interpret their lack of noticing for a lack of love. And what's real is that people do want to love. They just don't know how you need it to be. So we have to communicate maybe more than the people in your life have to communicate with you because we're not paying as close of attention. So If you can, pay attention to the moments where you feel like you wish someone would or you think, why aren't they blank or they should blank or 
Um, I would have blank. That's the moment where it's time for you to speak up. Those are the moments where it's time for you to say, hey, actually, do you mind just doing this thing for me? You have in that moment the opportunity to recognize your need and speak up and ask for what you need. The people in your life, all they can do is respond to what you bring to the table. So they may respond well with love and openness and willingness to be there for you and support you in that way. And they may not. And that's good information either way. There may be some level of them getting used to you asking for what you need, but eventually you're going to want to have people in your life who are reciprocating, who are able to show up for you the way you show up for them, but they may not be able to just intuitively do that. They may need to hear how and what you need and give them the opportunity to love you. Type threes that we talked about, sometimes our feelings get in the way of our plans and that's okay. You will get back to it. You always do. What I mean by this for our threes is right now we are in a season of kind of mass grief, right? Like this really intense, weird experience that most of us have never been through before. And it's normal and fine for you to have some feelings about that and to have such intense feelings that it's hard for you to do what you need to do. And I think the first thing that I want to say with that is it's fine And to know that if you find that you're normal, highly motivated, highly driven, highly connected, inspired self wants to numb out, zone out, shut down, that it's not the end of the world. You aren't failing. You aren't abandoning yourself. You are going to get back to it. You always do. You do not need to be worried about it. You don't need to feel guilty about it right now. It's okay. What I would encourage you to do is to try to access the feelings that you're having because a lot of times the numbing out, the shutting down, the slowing down, it happens in replace of really looking at what you're feeling. And what I mean when I say look at the feelings is to really try and name them. Is it fear? Is it anger? Is it anxiety? Is it sadness? Is it grief? Can you put a name to it? Because once you can put a name to it, usually from there, you know what to do. But what we often do when we're we're someone who wants to avoid our feelings is we don't name them and then we don't deal with them. And it can make this season feel worse, take longer, ultimately be harder overall. But if we can just give it a name, recognize what it is, honor that it's here, then we can go from there. For a type fours, I said, your thoughts create your feelings. If you find that your feelings are consuming your life, ask yourself what thoughts are you choosing to think over and over again. I did have one four comment on this post and said, I wish that were true, but my feelings come before my thoughts as a four. And I think it's important to say that I'm not saying that for fours, thoughts create your feelings. I'm saying for everyone, thoughts create your feelings. Our brains, our thoughts create our feelings, our feelings typically determine our actions, and then our actions can reinforce our thoughts. So this pattern of behavior impacts the way that you choose to feel or way that you do feel. And you you might not choose your initial reaction, right? Like that first animalistic instinct of feeling, but you do get to choose what you sit with for a while. You know, you get to choose which thoughts you decide to think about those feelings. And so if you find that you're feeling 
ways that you don't want to feel or you're stuck in a pattern of feeling in ways that you don't want to feel, it's important to acknowledge what thoughts you're choosing to think over and over again. What story are you telling yourself about a situation that maybe isn't serving you? And I think it's really helpful for all of us, but especially for fours, to take the story out of your thought patterns and instead say, what are the facts in this moment? Because if we can look at the facts, then we can be honest with ourselves about what's here. But if we create a story, well, then we're creating something that doesn't always exist because a lot of times, especially in interactions with two people, you're creating a story that involves their inner motivations, their inner fears that you actually don't aren't privy to that information. You're guessing. And a lot of times for the type fours that I've worked with, you're guessing the worst case scenario, right? Not in, ter- not in the same way as you would a six would, but more so you're like, you're assuming that they're thinking the worst of you or they have or- worse intentions than they do. And the truth is that the facts may be they were quiet today. The story may be, oh my gosh, they hate me. We're in a fight. They're tired of me. You know, we can create all kinds of stories. But if we can really get down and look at the facts, that helps so much with being able to escape repeated thought patterns that aren't serving us. Today's episode is very appropriately brought to you by BetterHelp. I'm just going to talk from my heart on this one for a second. I don't know what I would be doing right now if I didn't have therapy. We all need someone in our pocket, someone to help us talk through the range of emotions and the human experience, someone to encourage us, to remind us to self-support. The really cool thing about BetterHelp is... It will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. So you can start communicating in under 48 hours. So if you are in a situation like me and you're like, I wish I had done therapy before, I wish I'd signed up, it feels really overwhelming to find a therapist sometimes. BetterHelp makes that process so much easier. Now, it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in your area. So it's really cool that you can access much more, like many more people than you would be able to do in just your hometown. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. And plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So you won't ever have to sit down in an uncomfortable waiting room like you would with traditional therapy, kind of like seeing people leave and go and hoping to fit it into your schedule. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So just visit their website, read their testimonials that are posted daily. Things like, One year ago this month, I started therapy. I never dreamed at that moment I finally had made a decision that would ultimately change my life so much for the better. The help of my fantastic therapist whose vast knowledge, humor, and perception of knowing exactly 
when to push me to own my own voice and pull me up when I had very little to no confidence in myself. I am forever grateful and I really can't thank him or better help enough. Or Sandra is an amazing therapist. She's helped me tremendously with my anxiety and I always look forward to working with her. I've seen significant changes in my life as a result of many of the skills she's taught me and I am so grateful I found her. She's very insightful and great at helping me understand myself better and I feel like she plays close attention to my life and cares a lot about me. And one from me, BetterHelp was here for me when I lost my dad. I had someone to talk to every day when I felt the most alone. So if you are at a place where you feel like you don't have the support that you need or you need someone to talk to, BetterHelp might be a really good fit. Visit betterhelp.com slash egram. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. And join over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. I know a lot of you are therapists, so that's something to keep in mind as well. A special offer for Enneagram and Coffee listeners, get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com egram. Thank you, BetterHelp, for supporting the podcast and for supporting me. Okay, type fives. So for type fives, I wrote processing your feelings isn't the same as feeling them. It's okay to feel them. You are resilient. Now, this particular one comes from a story about me talking to my son. Um, He was telling me about how he deals with his anger. He was talking about punching pillows and dancing it out. And I, I said, it's amazing that you're processing your emotions. And he said, I'm not processing them. I'm feeling them. And honestly, that gave me a whole new insight into how I manage my emotions as a head type. I've always known that I think about them before I feel them, but he made it seem so simple to feel them, right? Like the easiest thing in the world to do. So I thought about how that is particularly important for fives, but it probably for a lot of us out there that the ability to process our feelings, to think through our feelings is wonderful. But it's not the same as feeling them. It's not the same as just letting them be, letting them sit in our bones. And I know a lot of fives talked about how they're not even sure where to start with that. And I think a lot of that work comes with embodiment. A lot of times fives can kind of get into their heads and and really think that the whole world is in their mind. And a lot of the work for our fives is getting into your body. Your body knows more than, than we like to think. It has way more information on how we're feeling or how we're processing the experiences that have happened to us. And it really communicates with our mind. And if we can get back into our bodies, then we can usually more quickly access the actual feelings that we have. So for most fives, I actually really recommend that you regularly get into an embodiment practice, like whether this is weekly or daily, whatever you can do to get into your body. Maybe embodiment isn't something that you're familiar with. It can be as simple. There's this practice called yoga nidra where you can lay down and scan your body. There's a lot of really good guided yoga nidra practices out there. So it's a form of meditation where you can really focus on different areas of your body. That's a good way. Another way is simply yoga, going for a walk, going for a run, anything that connects you to being up in your body. Another great way to do this is just simply um, self-massage. And I, I don't mean 
yeah, it's just self-massage. You basically can grab some lotion, grab some oil, and just lovingly massage your feet, lovingly massage your legs, lovingly massage your arms. Be present with the fact that you are in a body. You are not just your thoughts. For our type sixes, I said there is no right way to feel. Sometimes feelings just exist and you can't make them more of what you wish they could be. I know that our sixes worry about letting people down, about doing things in a way that disappoints the people in their life. And I know that feelings can hold a lot of shame. Like there are some right good feelings and then there are some bad wrong feelings. You know, five, six, and sevens all struggle with anxiety to some degree, but I think I want to be careful to not equate six to anxiety because I think we tend to do that um, in the Enneagram world. And I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I will say that as someone with anxiety, I know the pressure that can be felt when my fears take over a room, when my concerns for what's about to happen start to impact the lives of those around me. And that isn't a good feeling. And if people, if you feel like someone's disappointed in you, or if you feel like, oh, I'm a bummer right now, or I just like can't get the hang of this feeling, it doesn't really help to shame yourself, right? It doesn't help to feel worse about the fact that you're already feeling bad. Instead, it's okay to just honor that it's here to say, Right now I feel anxious, right now I feel mad, right now I feel sad, or I feel overjoyed in a situation where I feel like I'm not supposed to feel overjoyed. It's okay that those emotions are here. I'm okay for feeling them. Emotions are normal and they are fine and everyone will be okay. (laughs) I will still belong no matter how I feel. So for our type sevens, I wrote to our type sevens, you create more negative emotions when you try to escape them. It actually goes much more quickly if you just let them exist when they're here. This is the biggest lesson that I have had to learn as a seven that I try so hard to avoid negative feelings that I end up doing the most crazy things that create way more intense repercussions, right? Like I'm having a bad day. So I go spend all kinds of money at Target and then it feels good for like a brief instant. And then it's way worse on the back end of that, right? Or whatever, you know, your, your particular thing is, we all have these outlets of which we try to escape our emotions that usually are not self-supporting and create way more pain in the long run. The other thing that I experience as a seven, I don't know about you, but when I'm trying to avoid negative emotions, I get real controlly about it. I'll get like, I want the scenario that I had in my mind that was perfect. And if I can't have that, then it doesn't feel as good, you know? And it's like, oh man, then the present moment all of a sudden isn't as good as it could be if I would just notice what's good that is here. And I think that's a lot of that work for our sevens in that average to healthy range is what my average seven is like the next great thing, whatever the next great thing is, or I'm always planning for the future. But if I can sit in this moment and look around, you know, I can look and notice the great things in my life and I can be happy from right where I am because in this moment, I'm good. And even in my sadness, there's joy. 
I can be sad and it not consume me. In my book, I talk about how type sevens, you know, we, we often feel like negative emotions are quicksand. You know, like if I feel this negative emotion, I'm going to get sucked in to it and I won't be able to get out and I'm going to have to be there forever. But the funny thing about quicksand is that the harder we struggle, the more we try to escape, the further we sink and the faster we sink, right? So it's actually, if you can just let the feeling be here. And I think we talked about earlier, naming that emotion. If I can just name the emotion, then I can move on from it more quickly. Yeah. If we can let ourselves feel the feeling, the more fast we move through it, And the kinder we're being to ourselves, right? The easier we're going to have with this experience. A lot of times sevens, we put this pressure on ourselves to be happy all the time, to be the fun one, to be the light in a room. It's okay if we cannot show up the way we think we have to, to be loved. You're still fine. You're still you. Um, You're not weak. You're not a burden. You are fine. Your sadness is normal and it will not be here forever. For type eights, I said, your feelings don't have to be felt alone. You can share the burden with the people who love you and those you trust. Most humans aren't going to use them against you later. I think this is a pretty hard one. I know I kind of, when I wrote it, anticipated eights to say, I don't think that they won't use them against me later because I have heard so many eights say that, that they fear people using their vulnerability against them. And the truth is we're never guaranteed safety, but we can choose our own bravery. And I think that when we move into this kind of work, part of our job, part of our work is stepping into our bravery, choosing to be vulnerable when we're not guaranteed that other people will be with us. And, and it's not easy. And I, I can't guarantee that it will always go well. But what I can tell you is that I have traveled a lot in my life, right? I have been to all of the continental states. I've been to countless countries of backpack Europe. I've traveled to Central America alone. And I have met so many people and I've met so many people who have helped me, who are strangers, who took the time to see me and to take care of me and to anticipate the needs that I might have as a stranger. And I say that to say that I truly believe with my heart of hearts in the deepest part of my being that most people are good. And that the intention of most people is to do the right thing. And what I know for certain is that we're all doing what we can. We're all doing the best we can with what we've been given. And sometimes people have been giving a little bit less. Some people have been given a little bit more. Some people have had experiences that I could never understand. And it causes us to behave in ways that I would never anticipate. But I do know that most people are good. Everyone's trying their best. And that if I can lead with vulnerability, I invite more vulnerability in. The more that I can choose to share, the more that I know I can receive. And I want to encourage our eights who are nervous about this, who don't feel confident about this, to use that natural gut instinct of, of being able to read people to tr- see, look for the good ones, 
take note of the ones who you can trust and let yourself be vulnerable with them first. Start there and let them support you right now. Let them love you. Because I, I, you know, I had this really good friend, Aaron, back in college, and he wrote a poem one time, and it sticks, it has stuck with me forever. Um, it's like the same, the same crack that lets love in, um, keeps love out, right? That if you plug the hole that you're trying to keep pain in, if you're plugging the hole where you're trying to protect yourself, you're preventing love from coming in too. So if you can open that gateway, let yourself be a little bit vulnerable you're more inclined to get the support that you need. And finally, for our nines, I talked, I said, expressing your feelings isn't going to make you difficult to be around. In fact, the people who love you will only feel closer to you and more able to be themselves. A lot of times for our type nines, there's this fear that if I have a strong opinion, if I'm too assertive, if I insert myself in situations, then the people are going, I'm going to lose these connections with people that I care about, or I'm going to make someone feel ostracized, or I'm going to shut them out. And the truth is, is that the people who are going to be there for you, the people who you want to be there for you, who are going to stick through the hard things with you, the ones who love you, they will only feel closer to you the more that they see you. We want to know you. We want to hear what you have to share. We have a lot to learn from each other. And if I can hear you share about your weaknesses or your fears or your strong preferences, then I feel more comfortable having my own strong preferences, my own stake in the ground. I can be more of myself. And in marketing, we talk about how if you're speaking to everyone, then you're speaking to no one. And you want to isolate people from you as, a, as a, in marketing, right? You want to turn some people off because if everyone feels talked to, then no one's going to feel talked to. You're never going to really get to the root of who your actual customer is and no one knows if they're going to want to buy from you or not. It's the same thing with our relationships, right? You're going to want to turn some people off. You're going to want a filter that says, these are my people and others are not. And the ones who are sticking with you when you're the most honest about who you are, about how you feel, about what you think, those are your people. That's the love that is that runs way deeper than just making people comfortable around you. That's the love that you deserve. And that's the love that I know that you truly ultimately want. So if you can give yourself a chance to be honest, start with one person who you're not afraid of ostracizing and get real, get really honest about your opinions and your thoughts and your feelings and watch them stick by you. And if they don't stick by you, thank the heavens that you had a filter to show you who was there for you and who wasn't. That's just good information. It's all data. So I hope this speaks something into your life today. I hope that it gives you a little something to think about, a little bit of direction and ways that you can self-support during this crazy, crazy season. 